Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. On this special edition of Earning It. I never meant to cause you. That ring was the best thing that ever happened to him. It almost, it was like he's magic. Never meant to cause you. We take you inside the greatest show on earth. The Super Bowl halftime show. Hello. And welcome back to Earning It. I'm Sam Rappaport. For those of you who haven't listened to our earlier episodes, this show is about a pipeline I helped create within the NFL to bring more women into the game, both on and off the field. I'm a former professional quarterback and work at the league. My producer, Jane Skinner Goodell, is an NFL superfan and veteran journalist. She actually dreamed up this show and pitched me as the host. We should also point out, Sam, that I'm married to the commissioner, so I am the lucky one to have seen a whole lot of halftime shows in person. I pitched you because I think you have the perfect voice to tell this story. First, you know football like nobody's business. I've seen you beat Roger Goodell on a football field. Second, you're responsible for so many women that we're seeing in the NFL today, on the field, in the front office. And third, and this is probably the most important of all for me, when I told you that I was going to pitch you as the host, you immediately said, uh, can I swear? <laughs> what an incredible season. I had more pinch me moments than I can explain. And I'm not sure my feet touched the ground during any of these interviews. You know, we spoke to NFL head coaches, owners, the commissioner who I cursed at. Whoops. And he cried on the episode. That certainly stood out to me. You know, and icons like Billie Jean King, who I've looked up to since I was a kid. And so just how the NFL season ends with a big bang, Jane and I wanted to finish our first season with a bang. And the cool thing is, you don't even need to like football to be into this one. I'm talking about the Super Bowl halftime show. It's a very, very big deal. It's a big deal for the NFL. It's a big deal for music. It's a huge deal for television. I mean, each year it's the most watched 12 minutes on TV. Can you imagine putting on basically a concert in 12 minutes? They have to put up that set, break down that set, and make sure everything goes flawlessly, not just for people in the stadium, but really more so for people on television. So the hype for this game is so incredible. And to understand what goes into making that 12 minutes of TV is pretty mind boggling. There is a woman behind that. She's so smart and she is so chill. I think she has to be to have that role to make everything go so perfectly. So I knew about Dionne Harmon. I had to find a way to get to her. So I went through a friend of a friend of a friend. She was so nice. She got on a call with me and I said, I kind of have this idea. We don't want to blow any surprises, but could you kind of take us behind the scenes? What goes into your thinking when you're creating the halftime show, particularly for Super Bowl 56? She's got five performers. That's a lot. And there's a lot of pressure on her. And I said, I'd also love to know how much history 
you take into account when you're planning a show, when you're looking at the creative? And she said, a lot. And I said, okay, that leads me to my next question. I'm thinking we could bring along someone who could act as a halftime historian. And I have an idea. I think Questlove is the perfect person for that. He is such a student of history. He's a musical genius. I know he goes to the Super Bowls. Wouldn't that be fun to have the two of you do it together? And she said, oh, I'll text him. If you don't know Questlove, he's the co-founder of The Roots, now the house band for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He directs movies like Summer of Soul. He's been a professor. Basically, he's perfect for this assignment. So Dion convinced Questlove to do it. He said, I normally don't do stuff like this, but she asked me and I'm into it. And there we have it. Dion is a force. She's produced the Oscars, the Super Bowl halftime show, the American Music Awards, the BET Awards. She produced Kendrick Lamar's Coachella performance, which eventually became his world tour. She's also DJed professionally for years, which she says is a lot like producing. It's the music. And again, it's creating a moment, an environment that, you know, people can just come and, and you're shaping this experience. So in a way, producing is the same thing visually as DJing is orally. She was responsible for the 2021 Super Bowl halftime show featuring The Weeknd, which she called the most nerve-wracking show of her life. Until, of course, this year. This year we have Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, and Kendrick Lamar. And all of them are amazing and could headline this on their own. And... The good thing is that we have worked with each of these artists for many years. So we're familiar with them and we're familiar with their teams. And one thing that I love about this process is that they are all working together. Like there is no conflict or ego around any of this. I came into it like, oh my God, like how are we going to deal with all of these people? But it's been really amazing and they're all excited. They all want to make this the best thing, the best Super Bowl that there ever has been. And, um, you know, they're just coming together to make a moment. Sam, I have to ask you, we're about to ask Dion and Questlove what their favorite shows are, what the most iconic shows are, what the most important halftime shows are. I've actually never asked you, what is your favorite Super Bowl halftime show? I think my most memorable Super Bowl halftime show was the first Super Bowl I ever attended in 2004 when I could not believe I was in the stands of that game. And that was when Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake performed. (laughs) And in the stands, we didn't know what happened, right, when he ripped um, that piece of clothing off her chest. And uh, until I I got home, you know, social media wasn't even burgeoning at that point. Until I got home, did I really know what happened? Um, but I'm a big Beyonce fan and Beyonce's show uh, a couple years ago was one that I'll never forget. Which of the Beyonce's did you like better? There's 2013, 2016. 2013. That was when the lights went out. It's possession. The 49ers have two plays into it. Turn out the, the lights light go out. out. Somebody put a plug and light a can. 35 minute power outage. Delivery. I'll never forget that game. And I remember watching Beyonce and then Destiny's Child come out and thinking that that was the best and most entertaining Super Bowl halftime show that I had witnessed in person. It was mind blowing. And as a Beyonce fan, to be breathing the same air as her in a stadium was a really cool experience. Rich, that's what happens when Beyonce leaves the field. Yeah, she, she took all the energy with her. Jane, you've been to many Super Bowls. What's the one Super Bowl halftime show that sticks out for you? The one that I actually rewatch about once a year um, on YouTube and literally I get choked up every single time is right after 9-11. It was the 2002 year with U2 playing. America! Um, You know, for people who were too young at the time, um, it was just the strangest time in our country. People were still very nervous. There was a real, real strong sense of patriotism. But a gathering like the Super Bowl, people were particularly uh, nervous. And we also had a band playing that wasn't American. So you didn't really know what's to come. I love you two, but I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with it. They actually... I didn't even remember this at the time. They only played three songs and they were just mesmerizing. And what they did at the end 
when they had this ginormous screen and they rolled, scrolled the names of the victims of 9-11. And then Bono at the end opens his leather jacket and inside is an American flag. And it just reminded you, it reminded me of how powerful the halftime show is and what that platform is and the tribute that they paid to the victims. I just thought it was really, really a, the most gorgeous moment that I've seen at halftime. Thank you. There are so many incredible moments in Super Bowl history, culturally, musically. Our halftime historian says the most important one came in 1993. I think Michael Jackson upped the production ante. I think before 1993, the Super Bowl halftime show was for most people just a a break to sort of do refre- re re up on refreshments and bathroom breaks. But since 1993, the Super Bowl halftime show I think has almost become the epicenter and almost a guarantee of what draws in non-sports people to watch the Super Bowl. Today's halftime shows are star-studded, but it wasn't always that way. For decades, they were similar to something you'd see at a college football game. Marching bands, kids with the music nonprofit Up With People, maybe the occasional music celebrity, Duke Ellington or Chubby Checker. Dion, was that a turning point, 1993, in your mind? Like, what was what did MJ's show mean to you and what did that do to the Super Bowl halftime show? I mean, it. I feel like every show just establishes kind of a new, a better or a different bar, right? So for him... Mm. I just remember like the magic of him popping up on all of these jumbotrons and then popping up on the stage. I mean, no one had seen something like that, like live on TV. And then even when they took all of the paper, which it's also funny to think about how that's changed to like LED now, but when everybody held up their paper and made like all the kids around the whole stadium, for uh, heal yeah. heal the world. Yeah. I mean, it just became like, what are the big theatrical things that we can do now? Like Diana Ross, who performed for the 30th anniversary of the Super Bowl in 1996 and had a chopper lift her out of the stadium. I mean, Diana with her helicopter, which people are still asking for helicopters. Mm-hmm. We get no's, <laughs> but they're like, she did it. You know, so people are like, how do we get dropped in? How do we get lifted out? Like, can a drone bring me in? There are all the, these things. And uh, Prince, I, I don't think anyone will ever, 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 ever be able to up Prince for the simple mm-hmm. fact that it started raining during Purple Rain. Only want to see it. I mean, God participated (laughs) in his performance. I mean, that was, it's like, I watch it to this day. It like brings me to tears, like the the big curtain and his shadow and the rain and the music. The production value of these shows is incredible. It has to be. For a lot of artists even huge names like Prince, it's their best shot to appeal to a broader audience of fans. I heard a story from Art Commissioner Roger Goodell about Bruce Springsteen when he was rehearsing and he was about to go on stage and he told Roger, like, I'm really nervous for this. And he, he usually isn't nervous. So Questlove Dion, what is it about the Super Bowl halftime show in particular that makes ner- artists anxious compared to their normal sets and concerts? You know, an artist like Springsteen, like Springsteen is actually, even though he's an A-list artist, Springsteen, and the same can also be said for Prince, uh, those are, they're, they are cult artists. They're cult artists with millions of cult followers. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's not like Springsteen is so much in the mainstream that he's easily, like a person like Michael Jackson sort of falls into that that realm where you're so ubiquitous that you're kind of like bread or water <laughs> or oxygen. Whereas, you know, with both Prince and Springsteen, they're niche artists. So it's like Springsteen fans come in the millions to support him. And it's not necessarily guaranteed uh, that 
their brand will easily resonate with whom we think is watching the halftime. Of course, it's silly because basically all of America is watching. But, you know, that's also it's it, it's easy for Bruce to be relaxed in at his own concerts because he knows that everyone is there mm-hmm. specifically has emotional investment in Bruce Springsteen. Whereas now he's sort of being put in a vulnerable position where he has to uh, prove that he has the goods. That's an interesting perspective because Abel, the weekend, he was nervous too. And I think it was our last rehearsal before show, which crazy is three days before the show. It happens on Friday and you don't do it again until Sunday at halftime. So we're in that last pass and, you know, we get through it and it's really good. And we're just kind of standing there looking out and he's like, this is crazy. He was like, this is crazy. I don't know how people get out here and do this every week, like as an athlete, as he, he was just like, it's, it's a trip. And what you said, Questlove, about, you know, The weekend is not a super mainstream artist. He's a big star, but he's specific. So the thought mm-hmm. of 120 million people, not people who came to see you, but just people who are watching to either cheer you on mm-hmm. or look for something that you messed up on, is got to be a crazy experience. And it's fully live, which comes with its own nervousness. If you are the unicorn who didn't see the weekend's performance during the 2021 halftime show in Tampa, do yourself a favor and go watch it. There's a socially distanced choir, lots of dancers in COVID masks, and he moves around in this fun room type maze that you actually couldn't see if you were there in person, but it blew up online. Questlove called this show a paradigm shift. I realized watching his performance live as as a 50-year-old, you know, I was like, well, okay, this is interesting, this is whatever. But I realized that because we live in a place where social media is is our our epicenter, our 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 life, we can all already won the Super Bowl because out of that whole performance came a three-second gym. Yes. Of him, of him yeah. in the room, <laughs> looking, <laughs> right? Right. You see it all over, and <laughs> yeah, when the smoke is cleared, and it's and it's and it's twenty five sixty three, <laughs> that GIF will still be here beyond his music. Beyond, I don't know if we'll be using England. Uh... You know, <laughs> you're laughing because I'm telling the truth. You know, I will say that was definitely a different experience. I mean, all of this is primarily for TV. You want you want right. the people in the stadium to have a good experience, but ultimately you're playing to cameras. We talked about what the halftime show might look like 10, even 20 years from now. I fully expect by 2030, maybe the conversation of, uh, well, like Whitney Houston's doing it right now in Vegas where her hologram is about to perform and go on tour. So I wouldn't be at all shocked by 2030. Hmm. Maybe the first hologram performance will be halftime show. You know, over in Japan, there are sort of like anime star, like celebrities that aren't The avatars, right? Yeah, avatars that are, you know, even real anymore. Like, I mean, there's space for that. What about like the Oculus headset? So like instead of, watching it on TV, everybody's in their virtual world watching it. Ooh. Maybe you're on the stage, maybe you're on the field. Like they're, that, that could, yeah. I don't even see that as 2030. Yeah. Like that could potentially be in the next two years, you know. Dion and Questlove share a theory that in the past, production teams would go all in with one idea one year and then have to readjust based on content or budget. So the year after Michael Jackson performed, it was Travis Tritt, Tanya Tucker, Clint Black, and the Judds. They, they pulled back, like it was almost like a pushback, like, okay, enough of that. Enough of you guys coming to our world. We're going to keep it American football, so let's go country. And even a year after that, I think there was, uh, uh, I remember 
Patti LaBelle. Yeah, and maybe that was based on, you know, ratings going down after halftime that they realized, like, oh, we have to have somebody to sustain us. Because then, by that point, I remember, like, MTV, like, other shows saw the Living Color example and then said, okay, come halftime, we're going to steal the, the Super Bowl crowd away and bring them to it. And that's what was happening. So, yeah, I almost feel like the Diana Ross moment was the moment where the NFL realized that we we have to we came to play well, and we have to Michael's whole budget could have easily eaten up the budget for the following two years. So they might have had to catch up and then <laughs> they were able to. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. <laughs> Worth it. So we can kind of categorize Super Bowl halftime shows as before Michael and Diana, after Michael and Diana. Then there are the shows that become iconic because they take place during a significant moment in time, like the one Jane talked about. You too. Actually, I think Maybe that was the first time I went to the Super Bowl. I remember I, I started going to all of them. I believe that was my my very first one that I went hmm. to. Um, so I definitely remember the, the the feeling in the air. Like you know, two thousand two was post nine. Like the seven months after nine uh, eleven, it was it was a different feeling. You know, I'm not saying it was a kinder, gentler nation or whatever, but I definitely remember, like, wanting to stay to see what you two, like, okay, we know they're going to do something special for the tribute, for the memorial, and all those things. And so, yeah, I, I remember that being a, a moment. There was, it was almost like an innocence lost, 9-11 was, because a lot mm-hmm. of people hadn't dealt with, acts of war, like World War, you know, certain generations, they remember World War II, World War I, whatever it was. And I think there were a lot of people that were like, wait a minute, you know, this mm-hmm. were this kind of false sense of security and a nervousness about being in groups, being in places that could be targeted. There's a lot of security, so it was almost like raising the flag, no pun intended, but but really just showing the resiliency, honoring the people who had been lost, showing that we can still do this big cultural thing in the country despite what just happened. Right. I, I think it was hopeful for people. And then there are the shows that make headlines for, well, totally unexpected reasons, like Super Bowl 38. The Panthers are playing the Patriots. And the halftime show is stacked. MTV is producing, and some of the year's biggest names are there. Diddy, Nelly, Kid Rock, Jessica Simpson. You don't remember? Here's why. Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson were there, too. I think this is the first time that Diddy truly got upstage. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> if, you, if you talk about... <laughs> You talk about the elements of the eight minutes <laughs> that came before, of the seven minutes and 53 seconds uh, before that, that moment in 2000. Nobody, I didn't, I forgot about him. I don't need, I forgot, I forgot he was in Diddy it. Was, <laughs> how, like, Diddy actually got mm-hmm. upstage. We didn't know he was there. And <laughs> not to mention, you know, all those hits, like Nelly was there doing hot in here, bought, like nope. that 2004 was like the best of the early aughts. <laughs> that, that was like the first that I remember that just being a mixtape, <laughs> you know, a mixtape of groups that you wouldn't put together. Like Kid Rock in any other circumstance. <laughs> I mean, as, as many times as I've sat next to him, like near the Grammys or whatever, and just look at his facial expressions at like, you know, the whoever the TRL darling of the moment was. <laughs> so it's. It's only only in this very specific situation could you have like Jessica Simpson and Kid Rock and Timberlake <laughs> no, and Nelly and Diddy. We could devote a full episode or even a series to that show alone. Here are the broad strokes. The show kicks off with a video montage of celebrities encouraging viewers to vote in that year's presidential elections. Then Jessica Simpson appears with a marching band. Headliner Janet Jackson takes the stage, followed by Diddy, Nelly, and Kid Rock. 
Then Janet comes back to close out the show and is joined by Justin Timberlake for his hit, Rock Your Body. Then, in the final seconds, this happens. Justin reaches over and rips Janet's top to reveal a pasty. Then all hell breaks loose, at least for those watching at home and the producers of the show. That was my first Super Bowl in stadium. And I remember not, we didn't really know what just happened. We thought something happened. We just couldn't really tell. You but were there in, in the stadium? The, was there like in a the collective stadium, gas? Yeah. <gasps> There, we didn't really. We oh, saw no, something. You didn't see it, right? It was a little tiny. I don't think people knew. We, it was a tiny thing. We saw a look of horror, but we didn't know if maybe you know that we didn't see any part of her body right. or my seats. I didn't see any part of her body, but we knew something happened. We just didn't know what. And social media wasn't a thing <laughs> back to then, wait. so we right. couldn't go on Twitter and find out what happened. Yeah, exactly. It didn't take long. Both MTV and CBS apologized right away and said that they had no knowledge that the show would involve partial nudity. Janet and Justin did the same, calling it a wardrobe malfunction, and said the initial plan was to reveal a bra. There were FCC fines and lawsuits. Viacom, which owns CBS, ended up paying $3.5 million to settle indecency complaints. For Janet Jackson, it was especially devastating. She was banned from presenting at the Grammys that year and discouraged from attending. Justin Timberlake, though, was allowed to attend and present as long as he apologized during the show. Her subsequent album was blacklisted by Viacom subsidiaries, which include VH1, MTV, and Clear Channel, one of the largest radio broadcasters. Really? Yeah, I, don't yeah. believe, I don't believe wardrobe malfunction. Yeah, no. Like, no. I mean, come on, dude. you know, if, no, you no, know if there's a wardrobe I, malfunction. That was the, the right. ripping. I mean, what, <laughs> you know... But it was it was really sad uh, and discouraging to see how she how Janet was vilified in this, and it always confused me because I was like, she got the thing ripped off of. She didn't rip it off. Like at that, what you. frustrated me. It was like he did it. If you want to blame somebody, blame the person who ripped the material, not the person whose right. material got ripped and it's just like well, this culture right. of blaming yeah, so women you know i saw that sh a showbiz moment okay you know controversy sells or whatever however uh we learn quickly that if uh a black woman does a stunt like that then there's a price to pay for it mm -hmm. and you know i i for one like my life wasn't ended with the showing of a nipple. I mean, to be honest with you, I missed it. Like, I, you know, I wasn't like, it wasn't like my eyes were glued to the, <laughs> to the TV. Like, what did I do? You know, I think I was in the kitchen and everyone started screaming like, Oh my God, oh my. like they didn't, they didn't know what they saw. But as far as the outrage was concerned, um, I, I see it as, as fake outrage. There's not a single thing that happens in that show that is not run by every single stakeholder in the Super Bowl world. From the NFL to Pepsi in our case to whatever network it's on, like everybody literally gets a minute by minute of what you will see, who's going to do what, what they're wearing. Everything has to be approved in advance, well in advance. They're, they're at the rehearsal. So you're saying like they would have had to completely never rehearse it, never talk about it, never anything. I just... You don't think that's possible too? I do think that's possible, but I also think that that is really, really, really risky for a lot of reasons. And if the producer said she felt betrayed, that would make me feel like some people were like, oh, do it. It'll be fine. And then when everybody was like, oh, clutches pearls, they were like, point the finger. She did this. Like that would make me be like, oh, but you guys approve this. Next up, Dion takes us inside this year's halftime show. You know, I think they all feel a responsibility. Like we are doing this for our community. We're coming back to our community and this is for them. I think there's some added weight to this that maybe hasn't been a part of other Super Bowls. You know, they owe this to their community. Plus, she and Questlove share their favorite shows in halftime history and what they dream to see in halftime future. 
Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my dance, <laughs> This year's halftime show, Super Bowl 56, has what I consider a dream lineup. Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, Eminem. Dion called it the blackest show in Super Bowl history. It's also a way to honor L.A., where this game is being held, in the brand new, beautiful SoFi Stadium. The most significant thing about the Super Bowl is the fact that it's in Inglewood. When we found out that these were the artists... It was what I hoped. When I found out it was SoFi, I was like, oh my God, it would be so amazing if it were like Dre and Snoop and it was this whole West Coast moment. And, you know, we got the call from Rock Nation that that's who the artists were. And we were thrilled. And I think the full circle moment of, you know, these artists and, you know, Mary's from New York and Eminem's from Detroit, but... Dre, Snoop, and Kendrick came up in really rough parts of Los Angeles, you know, really tough upbringings. They overcame a lot to get where they are. So the full circle moment of kind of imagining them as youth navigating the streets of L.A. during the times, you know, some of the worst times in this city to now being on the biggest world stage in their city, you know, I think they all feel a responsibility. Like we are doing this for our community. We're coming back to our community and this is for them. I asked her for a tease of what to expect. She smiled and would only say that Dr. Dre plays a central role in the story. He is the, the glue that holds all of this together. You know, Dre was responsible for Snoop. You know, Dre was responsible for Eminem and Kendrick. You know, he had a huge hand in Mary's career and has produced albums for her. So in the way that he's a producer, he is like the artist producer of the Super Bowl. She hopes the show will go down in history as one of those iconic performances. Like U2 in O2, Prince in 07, or Beyonce times two. When she did Formation... Mm -hmm. That to me was the, the, the 
the blackest moment at a Super Bowl halftime show. And I, I, I loved it. I was there for that. Questlove called it one of the most magical things he's seen on stage. A lot of people say she stole the show from the headliner Coldplay with her tribute to black culture. It's interesting because I, I think Beyonce is really the only artist who could have done that. Because she just, I don't know, I don't even know how to explain what I mean by that. But, you know, such a blatant, clear message of just like... um, Black Lives Matter. Pride and resistance and protest. But, you know, there, there was a world when, you know, a Black woman would definitely be canceled. Like, oh my God that's angry, that's scary, like, we don't do that, it's all lives, whatever it is. Um, but she was able to to perform that message loud and clear, and it resonated to, to everybody. Um, and I didn't see much negative about it. I mean, some of it could have been that maybe people didn't even understand how truly black that moment was. Like that might have been Mm -hmm. super insider baseball, but we were all like, oh, you know, but uh, it 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 was empowering, especially in that moment of time. It was a huge moment in Beyonce's career. The Super Bowl has a way of moving the needle for artists, even when they're already household names. I felt that the Gaga moment was a game changer for her. And she flew, which you don't see a lot. The Lady Gaga show was one of my producer Jane's top moments, too. She's on the top of the roof, and then she comes down, and she's singing and moving and doing acrobatics. She is all over that stage. Then she's at the piano. She stops, says hi to her mom and dad. It is so incredible. It's so aerobic. Her voice sounded good. She did the perfect, you know, medley of her songs. Uh, She kind of paid tribute to the league, I thought, in a really great way. And I thought she set that bar so high for everybody coming after her. For me, that was such a moment for Gaga to prove that that was her that was her moment, in my opinion, to really deliver on the promise of what we wanted her to be. And I almost feel as though that entire moment um, that she rose to the occasion and really showed not even America, but the world uh, as a creative, as an artist, as as an A-list celebrity, that she indeed had the goods to deliver. That's just one of those moments that I felt allowed her the the leverage to continue to go on. It's crazy, this surprise element, too, because when she starts and she's singing America the Beautiful, you're like, wait, didn't this already happen in the pre-show? Like, what are we doing? Like, this is not what I'm here for. No disrespect, not being (laughs) patriotic, but you're like, and then for her to just dive down and she's hanging, she's flying, she's doing all of these things, I think, that surprise element made it hit that much harder. So Lady Gaga 2017 makes the list of the best. We've covered U2, Diana Ross, Beyonce, Michael Jackson. As for the very best in halftime history though, we all agreed it's one name. I felt that that was probably the, I felt that was the first genuine moment that an artist that really didn't fall in line with the unspoken white elephant of quote unquote American values. Like, you know, I I would like to think that when they're choosing, you know, you're either choosing someone who's like, next to God. Like with Michael Jackson, it's like, that's next to God. With Diana Ross, that's like, well, she's part of the Motown ilk. So, you know, all Motown artists sort of get that, that pass. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easier. You know, there was a year where, didn't the, didn't the Blues Brothers once do a year too? Like I remember Ackroyd, when Blues Brothers, uh, the sequel came out, I think they were the halftime act. So it's almost like- 1997. Right. 
So I almost feel as though that Prince was the first time that an artist that clearly his younger self would have given the middle finger to the idea of this sort of amalgamation Americana. And, you know, he's playing ball because it's different than like the Rolling Stones doing it or uh, the year that Paul McCartney did it. You know, Prince is not like, he didn't come to us in American Pie or Next to God format that the Stones and Michael Jackson did. So for him to do it, that was the first time where I finally saw the NFL organization and the Super Bowl sort of coming to our side of the fence. You know, like you have to meet in the middle. And he clear he delivered. Like that ring was the best thing that ever happened to him. It almost it was like he's magic. Mm-hmm. He he's actually magic. Yes, he made this happen. This is another one of those shows you have to go back and watch. It's pouring rain and Prince is performing with pyrotechnics, electric guitars, and a full band. When he starts playing Purple Rain, the entire stadium sings along. Can I play this guitar? Just to see him in that environment, and again, just nighttime, this beautiful curtain blowing in the wind and his shadow on it with his cymbal guitar and the rain. I mean, it was just really, it gives me goosebumps even to this day thinking about it. Every time I see it, every time I hear, like hearing the roar of that room, stadium, it it just really, I, I don't know if you could ever top that because every single element combined to, to make that happen. And in 2007, Dion, it, was, it wasn't just raining. It was, we woke up and it was pouring rain, <laughs> buckets of rain, right? And right before the show was about, the halftime show was about to start too. As a producer now, how, how would you have handled that? I feel like my entire job is like problem, solution, something happens, deal with it. The show must go on. So... There's nothing you can do in that moment. I mean, you can't, you know, phone the weather and say, hey, can you stop this for 15 minutes? So you really just have to, you know, there are contingencies. I'm sure they had some contingencies in place. And and it's really a game time decision. And there are a lot of them. What this team does is mind boggling. The show itself is a precisely produced 12 minutes, made more challenging by the fact that the crew has roughly five minutes to set everything up and another five to break everything down. I mean, literally the moment halftime starts, that exact second, everyone gets out and they start building. And then once everything is done, you'll kind of have lights down that moment, you'll hear the voice. You know, welcome to the Pepsi Super Bowl 56 halftime show. And then, boom, your show starts right there. And I mean, from that last kind of hero shot, you know, you think you're wide shot, all of the bells and whistles. The moment that that's done, that clock starts counting down. And then you're taking everything off in this perfect choreographed routine. And then it's over. And it goes by like a, like a snap. It's crazy. Like you look up and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe like that just happened. It's an incredibly complicated dance that hundreds of people spend weeks practicing. This year, Dion's team has constructed the set at a nearby airplane hangar where they're rehearsing every single move by every single person from stagehand to superstar. Well, the good thing is that's what rehearsals are for. So in those rehearsals, We will run through everything. We'll stop down. We'll go. We'll stop. Rewind. We'll look. You know what? This camera is great. And you're really planning all of that in advance so that hopefully by game day, you're kind of moving on autopilot. Dion, in addition to producing one of the biggest Super Bowl halftime shows we've ever seen this year, 
you also made history last year in 2021 as the first black woman, the first woman of color to produce a Super Bowl halftime show. And there was so much intentionality across the board with everyone who was hired to bring this to life. Talk to us about that impact, what that means to you. I mean, it, it you don't even think about it. it it's someone just said it in passing last year. And I was like, what? Oh, that's crazy. I, I had no idea. And, you know, there is a, just a sense of pride and a sense of responsibility. And we had a lot of women in key roles on the show. And it wasn't even like, we got to get a bunch of women in here. These women are truly the top of their field and and the best people to come put this show together, which had so many challenges because of COVID. But um, Lila Nicole, she uh, was the first Latina department head. She ran wardrobe. She's coming back this year as well. Um, as Devlin, who was the creative mind behind the design of the weekends set and is also the creative director for us this year. So it's amazing um, to have her back, Fatima Robinson, uh, who is a choreographer who's worked on two or three uh, Super Bowls in the past. And she's coming back and joining us. So, you know, another year with a lot of really strong women in, in key positions. And this show is made even more special by the fact that Mary J. Blige will be the only female headliner on the stage. When I think about Mary, there is a Mary J. Blige song for every moment in my life. If I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm mad, if I'm frustrated, um, if I'm in love, if I had a breakup. And I think that she has this voice that people connect with and she's down to earth. I mean, she's like your girlfriend that you can have drinks with and hang out with. There's no pretenses about her. And for her to be such a huge star and to have sold millions and millions of records and toured the world many times over, all of the awards has remained grounded and you know, just continues to inspire the next generation of singers, but is still also out there making music and touring and being the big star that, that she is. I think in this lineup, she is one of the few women that can stand and hold her own next to these humongous personalities that are around her. I couldn't let Dion and Questlove go without asking them for their dream halftime lineups. Not that you asked, but mine would be a nod to 90s female hip-hop and rap artists, including Lauren Hill, Missy Elliott, Lil' Kim, Foxy Brown, and TLC. You know what I would love to see? And it could still happen. And I'm certain that, you know, I, I, I think I would love to see kind of a, a P-Funk Red Hot Chili Peppers, just just a George Clinton kind of led because hmm. he, he's theatrical and he fits right into it. And I mean, he is a staple, whether America wants it. I mean, he's just as American as apple pie is, you know, and he's he's a he's I don't even consider him a cult artist like what he's done for funk music, which should be acknowledged. Like, I, I feel as though. George Clinton, that could be very interesting to see. I think I would love to see, just for the creativity and theatrics of it, Tyler, the creator, and Frank Ocean. That if that if, there's mm. nothing more inside baseball than <laughs> this pairing, but it would be like the most visually stunning create. I would have to, obviously. <laughs> Are you ready? Because you know and I know that if Tyler ever given, if you give Tyler an inch. But I'm sorry, I did his last two performances, AMAs, where it snowed on him and he rode off in a Vespa. And the BET right. Awards where he was blown away with debris. I love yeah. working with him. Like, I love his team. I feel like if you give him this canvas of this field and say, come up with 13 minutes, I would just be like, 
What is it? Tell me. I'm ready. Let's do it. Well, Commissioner Goodell, if you're listening, Tyler, the creator, Frank Ocean, 2023, Dion yeah! Harmon, as the producer, we're going to put that out in the universe. Oh, you better believe I will make sure he's listening. Uh, he doesn't always love my input over the dinner table, but <laughs> when I tell him tonight that it came from Dion <laughs> and Questlove. Well, I'll tell you what. Those two are the dream lineup for the finale of our first season of the Earnin' It podcast. A huge thanks to both Dion Harmon and Questlove for being game to take us on a ride through halftime history. Jane, this has been a blast. Thank you for forcing me to this mic and for trusting me with the task of bringing your ideas to life. Well, Sam, I would say thank you because you're the one who actually brought them to life. I felt like the interviews we got from the biggest names, starting with the commissioner and the head coaches, the Ron Rivera's and Sean McDermott and come on, Billie Jean King, you brought them to life because it's the people who know you and trust you who opened up. And I feel like we got terrific interviews because of that. But also people came on the pod who just knew of you and they respected you so much and they trusted you to open up. So thank you for making it such a blast. And a special shout out to the incredible, badass iHeart Media team, Sean, Jason, Mike, Julia, Kurt, Grace, Thank you for making us sound amazing all season. Wow. For many reasons, I'm not sure that this season could get any more exciting, but let's go watch some football. Do it. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.